This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for Friday, May 12th, 2017. Every Monday, I'll be bringing you brand new content, but on Wednesdays and Fridays, this week and next week, I'm including previous interviews in this feed, like this one with John Yadarola, presenter of the huge Young Turks YouTube channel, which we recorded before the presidential election last year. Enjoy the interview. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Probably the biggest news and current affairs channel on YouTube isn't Fox News or MSNBC. It's not CNN. It's actually the Young Turks who have double the subscriber count of CNN. And on the line now, I have John Yadarola, who is uh, one of the main presenters on the Young Turks. Uh, John, thank you for joining me. What's your mission on the Young Turks? Well, look, at the Young Turks, we have uh, both political missions and we have media missions. Uh, politically, th there's a couple of issues that we're most interested in. The, the, the predominant one is getting money out of American politics. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of other political issues. Well, when you say that, you mean, you mean big, big corporate donations? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I, I can't speak for all of the hosts here, but I do think that having full public funding, as many other countries do, would be a great thing. But to whatever extent we can get, as much money out of politics as possible, I do think that that would be a, a great thing because it's really it's one of the foundational core issues that affects how politicians act when it comes to all other issues and why they follow certain people's policy preferences and not others based on money rather than how popular a position is. Uh, the effect that it would have on the country, and you know, etc. One of the things that's there's a study from uh, Farley Dickinson University which really stood out to me, and it showed that people who view very partisan news, that's to say, particularly Fox News, but also MSNBC, they're actually less well informed about current affairs than people who don't watch the news at all. And that's quite a startling, mm -hmm. uh, quite a startling uh, revelation. Of course, people who watch, um, you know, a broader base news, either something I think NPR scored the highest and, and uh, then other less biased news viewers, that's to say people who viewed less biased news were much better informed about current affairs. But it's quite startling that viewers, avid viewers of for example, Fox News, actually no less than people who don't watch the news at all. And yes. I know that uh, the Young Turks obviously very strongly comes from a progressive point of view. Is there a danger that you guys are preaching to the choir? Oh, of course. Yeah. No, I've, I've always found those studies to be very interesting going back years when Daily Show viewers were shown to be much better educated than, than Fox News and all that or, or CNN or MSNBC. Uh, and that's certainly the case. I actually, I'm very curious if those sorts of studies were to be run on our audience, how would they do? Mm -hmm. Of course, the thing about being an internet audience is what, what is our actual audience? Are there people, are, are you talking about people who love the Young Turks or members of the Young Turks? Or is it just people who watch us on YouTube? Because I know from the comment section that there's a lot of people in America who love to hate watch our show. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't think of them as particularly well educated when it comes to politics. But they do watch us. <laughs> and and um, what effect do you think you have on them? 
Well, look, we have a lot of different hosts, a lot of different uh, perspectives. I mean, we have people like Cenk Uger, the, the progenitor of the Young Turks. He comes from a law background. Mm-hmm. We have Anna Kasparian, who comes from a journalism background. I come from a political science background. But we also have comedians and actors and sports people and people who review movies. And look, we all bring something different. And I, I like to think that I come from an academic, data-driven, rationalist perspective. Mm-hmm. And while I am a progressive, there's some psychological quirk or flaw that I have that I have to play devil's advocate, even if it means attacking people who I agree with quite a lot. And I hope that some of that rubs off on the audience, where they question not just the media outlets that we attack, but us as well. And not just the politicians we attack, but the politicians we support as well. Okay. Do, do you think maybe that as a whole, obviously you say that you try to play devil's advocate a bit, but I think it's fair to say that anybody who watches The Young Turks will understand whether they hate watch it or, or watch it for supporting it. Um, one point of view predominates. Do you think that's healthy given how the internet and these uh, multiplicity of TV news channels have turned the United States into a series of silos of people who don't really communicate with each other. It's not like you had, you know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, like you had uh, maybe three channels having a nightly news and everybody would watch one or other of them, no matter what their political view was. Yeah. No, look, I I think that the the way that the media has changed has been incredibly interesting and not, not universally positive. And I think that the Internet has helped to accelerate what was already what we were already seeing, the process you were just talking about, about people choosing what facts they want to hear. And the Internet has made that far easier because it's far easier to produce news or quote unquote news. Um, Look, I I talk to fans quite often, and I've had a number of fans who say that it was the Young Turks that got them interested in politics in the first place. I've talked to conservatives who say that they were formerly conservative. Cenk Uger was a conservative 25 years ago. Uh But I do think that in terms of you, you said preaching to the choir. Yeah. So there's preaching to the choir and then there's being, you know, an outlet that's primarily tasked with trying to bring people over from the other side. I, that I don't see as my job. But I also think that as a network, I don't think that we do the best job of trying to appeal to to conservatives, especially hardcore Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, we could do a better job of that. I'm I guess another one of my flaws, I'm not as super interested in that. Uh, I, I don't think that it's particularly easy or particularly fruitful to try to change the minds of hardcore, hardened partisans. I hope that we educate people, people who are perhaps in the middle, perhaps undecided, perhaps haven't been particularly interested in politics historically. We try to provide interesting commentary and context for those people. Mm-hmm. And we hope that that's important enough or, or that's a large enough effect that Politically, it'll have ramifications in elections. Okay. Do you think that it would be useful, um, perhaps for the Young Turks or perhaps for some other progressive media outlet, to challenge people on the progressive side, on the left side, more often? And um, because, for example, a movement—and I'm not saying it's a terribly large movement—but there is a movement of quite an intolerant left, and it's sometimes called regressive left. For example, having having um, very aggressively enforced what are called safe spaces in some universities, uh, no platforming of um, really, you know, quite interesting uh, speakers being uh, protested and sometimes excluded from speaking at various universities. We saw at um, Mizzou, uh, University of Missouri, uh, one student journalist assaulted and intimidated for reporting in a public place. 
don't now the right wing media, Fox News in particular, goes to town on this and makes a huge deal of it and it, it suits their agenda. But isn't there a responsibility for people on the progressive side to say, even though we might share an agenda with some of these people, we've got to call them out because otherwise they're going to damage a movement? Um, well, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, I would say, first of all, I think it's very easy to see a couple of well-publicized conflicts going on in universities and think that that's a very large spread thing that's affecting a lot of people's lives. And, and I don't think that it really is. I think that colleges are always uh, experimental labs for how people are going to interface with politics in the news. I don't think that that's a, news, a new thing. I think that pro, uh, a campus speakers being protested by the left or by the right is something that has existed for decades and decades. The label of being called a conservative is less popular now than it has been for decades. And I think that there's a number of young conservatives who don't want to be called conservatives. And so to avoid that, they simply attack liberals as being regressive. They, they try to move the, the traditional left to make themselves seem like the true liberals when they hold a great number of economic and social policies that are just traditionally conservative uh, positions. Sure, sure, sure. But I think you're probably correct on that in two points. One, that people are perhaps uh, posing as being progressives when they're not. And secondly, that that effect of kind of some very high profile incidents being overblown. But isn't it important to speak up when people uh, who are progressive don't agree with that type of behavior? Isn't it important that they let themselves be known? Well, look, I, I think you're definitely right when you talk about that we have to speak out against intolerance, whether it's on the left or on the right. Look, I, I think that if you look at the psychological analyses going back to, you know, the Michigan studies of 60, 70 years ago of what leads to a conservative or a liberal personality, I do think that there are psychological differences. And I think, you know, being a liberal, I'm probably going to think that the psychological makeup of liberals is healthier. Mm -hmm. But there's intolerance and irrationality on every side. And especially right now with the, the absolutely shitty position we find ourselves in in the general election, I'm seeing complete hardcore rationality from both sides of the aisle. And like I said, I see my position on the show as being one where, while I am a liberal, I think that I've come to the positions I have based on an analysis of the data, based on trying to look at what the best effects uh, these policies would have on people's lives. And so I try to not be swayed overly by emotion. But there are people, even some of our viewers, who are overly swayed by emotion. And I try to be a calming, uh, rational influence on those people to the effect that I can. Obviously, I have limited influence. I was going to mention, but you've kind of talked around it, this what's called the backfire effect, which is uh, studied by um, Nian and Reefer. I'll put a link to it in the, in the show notes. But effectively they studied people who had uh, either conservative or liberal views and discovered that when they were, this is very briefly summarizing it, when they were contradicted by the facts, <laughs> yeah. they doubled down on their beliefs and actually were less likely to believe, less likely to consider other options when they were yes. being contradicted. Is it possible you're baiting people and doing that to them? It is It is definitely possible. Well, first of all, I just want to take a quick note to say that in citing several already over the course of this podcast, uh, political psychological articles and studies, mm -hmm. you already like I wish every American was familiar with as much of the research as you've already cited in this uh, in this study. Look, one of the things about studying like I was um, 
uh, before I came to work for the Young Turks, I was working on a doctorate in political psychology at UT Austin. Uh, when you study the ways that people think about politics and policy and ideology, it's very easy. While I am a liberal and liberals tend to be pretty optimistic about the, the, the potential for human growth, there are a lot of incredibly saddening, depressing facts about the way people think. And the, the doubling down when, like, for instance, some of the, the, the examples that they used were, you know, asking people, you know, do you believe that, you know, weapons of mass destruction were found? And then you show evidence that in Iraq they were not found. The willingness to double down, the complete lack of interest in having your thoughts and beliefs be congruent with reality is one of the most depressing things about humans that I think I've ever seen. And I, I don't have a solution as of right now. Perhaps in 10 or 20 years, I'll have a better idea of, of how to persuade people or persuade people more effectively without triggering some of those psychological defense mechanisms. But it, but it is sad, and it's entirely possible that, that, that being in media, even the Young Turks, which I like to think of as a, 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 a fairly pl- a politically and psychologically cognizant form of media, we could be doing the same thing. It's entirely possible. And just to look more on the media side of it, I mentioned that uh, you on the Young Turks have more subscriptions than any of the major uh, news channels like CNN or uh, Fox News or whatever. I think that obviously flatters you guys to a significant degree, but it might also just be an arc and uh, an artifact of the technology. Fox News is a mile ahead of any other station on TV, but I think their main competitors are not MSNBC or CNN. Their main competitor is the Grim Reaper. Their uh, <laughs> average age of audience is over 70. And people who are older watch TV and are also more conservative. So it's really just a, an economic yeah. decision for for, um, for Fox News to go for a conservative line because that's what the people who are available to watch their channel feel um, validated by. It's what they want to hear. It's They're getting the, their um, views. They're being told that they're correct. Obviously, an online audience is much younger and much more likely to be progressive. And that's possibly why you guys are doing doing so well but you're not in a mature market yet how do you see that playing out over you know um time when perhaps people who are younger now come into more mature years and everybody is and everything is on the internet how do you see that playing out that's interesting and you you could be totally right about why fox is doing so well in that one venue and and not in others um i overall i hate having to think about or even talk about the numbers, whether on YouTube or in social media. I, I hate the fact that people are incentivized to buy Twitter followers so that they'll seem to be influential. So I, I will cite those numbers because for whatever reason to be taken seriously, you have to have big numbers and we do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you could be entirely right. Now, I do think that it's going to take probably at the very least 10 years before we have like a qualitative change in the, the preeminence of TV over online news. I think inevitably it's going to happen or some sort of hybrid will develop. But over the course of those 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, a lot of people on the upper age range are going to die off and they're going to be replaced by a new cohort of, of younger people who are not necessarily going to be the same as the ones that are leaving. I think they generally probably are significantly more progressive both more willing to admit to that label, and we see these surveys every year showing that conservatism is less popular as a self-identification versus progressivism. And then also in terms of the policies, I mean, some of these social policies have, like the, the, the acceptance of gay marriage, the acceptance of marijuana legalization, are changing rapidly, not because people are getting much better at 
uh, that persuading, you know, uh, undecided voters, but that people are coming up that just don't care about that shit and they don't feel weighed down by the traditional views of their parents or their grandparents. Mm-hmm. So as the, the, the format matures, as YouTube or whatever we're on in 10 or 15 years starts to be a bigger portion of all of the news audience, mm-hmm. I do think that at some point, conservative outlets are going to have to get their shit together. CNN is going to figure out some way to use it. And so I don't, I don't know when that shakes out who's going to be the largest. I, I just hope that it's a format that's better suited to actually educating people, con- discussing the important issues of the day than TV has been when, I mean, th- this could be a big, long thing, but like CNN showing a lost plane for 24 hours a day for three weeks, like that is not what millions and millions of dollars should be used for. But, but I don't ev- evidently they were doing research to, to that showed that, that it was bringing in viewers. Oh, I, I don't doubt that at all. And that's another one of those depressing facts about humanity. <laughs> this sort of thing. And not, look, the, the CNN search for the plane, at the very least, was actually to some extent concerned with the loss of human life. There's a lot of less valuable stuff that people spend most of their day watching, including myself. I watch a lot of House in the Office. Okay. Um, flawed preachers. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, John Yadarola of The Young Turks, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. If you like the Challenging Opinions podcast, please rate and review the show on iTunes and other podcast providers. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Tell your friends. But most important, make your view heard. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com. That's all for the Challenging Opinions podcast published on May 12th, 2017. I have links in the show notes to John's Twitter and shows and to the studies we were talking about in the interview. Do you know somebody who I should interview? What topics should I be covering? I'd really be interested to hear your feedback. If you like the podcast, there's one thing that you can do that would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes and give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at Challenging O. You can also follow John Yadarola at John Yadarola. And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use iTunes if you're an Apple person or Google Play Music on Android. There's links for both of those. And there's an RSS feed if you use that. And I know that not everybody uses podcast software. A lot of people just listen on the website. So I have a new feature. You can enter your email address and get a simple email with a link to listen each time a new show goes online. No spam, I promise. You can find them all or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. Coming on Monday, that's May 15th, I'll have a brand new interview with Rebecca Lemke. She's the author of a book about growing up in purity culture. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.